Good morning, middle family. I'm coming to you live from the airport where I'm on the way to visit my dad to check on him. He's in the hospital, but cracking wise and entertaining folks and teaching them all the lessons he has at 88 to share. That's a joyful dude, a joyful old dude. Today in our advent calendar, we are celebrating joy. Rumi says when you do something from your soul, it's a river, it's a joy. It seems like Rumi thinks it's inherent in our bodies to be joyful. I think it's a spiritual gift we can curate. The taste of a grape bursting in your mouth, the squeeze of a lover, the delight you delight in your children laughing or your grandbabies giggling. Joy, joy deep in our soul is what we need to sustain our lives in these times. So we celebrate joy this morning. Ben is preaching. There's gonna be some really beautiful music and you, wherever you are today, in an airport, in your apartment with your family, on a beach, in the park. May God show up for you as we begin to worship God today. God bless. Okay, middle, are you ready? We're gonna give you a little gospel march. We don't have a lot of people, but that works out great today. If you would uh, rise in body and spirit as we get ready to sing Joy Bell. You know, today is about joy. So we might do a little joyful thing in here. It says like this. Joy bells keep ringing in my
Hi, Toad. It's Advent. God bless you. What? I said, God bless you. And I said, it's Advent. Are you getting sick, Frog? Oh, oh, I see. No, Toad, I said it's A-D-V-E-N-T. What is A-D-V-E-N-T? Toad, we celebrate Advent every year. We do? Yes, Toad. Advent is a season when we wait for the coming of Christmas. Huh? When we light the candles on the wreath. We do? When we get ready to celebrate the birth of the Christ child. I don't remember any of this, Frog. Oh, Toad. Toad, Advent is a time of anticipation. Anticipation. It's making me wait, Toad. I don't like waiting, Frog. I know, Toad. There are four Sundays in Advent. Today is the third Sunday. Oh, we're getting closer, Frog. Four candles plus the Christ candle. We're going to light three today. We are? Yes, Toad. The third Sunday in Advent is when we celebrate joy. Joy? Who's joy? I thought this was about Christmas. Toad. <laughs> joy. Great happiness, exultation, when we celebrate all the wonders, the great gifts of life. Joyful, joyful, we adore you. Joy to the world, all the boys and girls. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. Woo! That's right, Toad. Toad, my good friend, do you think that we could light these Advent candles together? Oh, I don't know about that, Frog. That's dangerous. We don't have opposable thumbs. Good point. Maybe we need to ask somebody to help us. Yeah. What do you think? Yes, but who? Hi, I know. How about Gabrielle? Yeah! And Gabrielle, come on. Come on, Sarah, Jesse, Gabrielle, come on up and help us. I think Gabrielle can do it, Frog. Maybe I if think we so help her. Too. Let's do it together. Joyfully! Yes, we can! Joy! Joy! joy. God's great joy! 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 Down in my soul! Sweet! Beautiful!
It is the third Sunday of Advent. The maker of moons and stars, mountains and rivers, locusts and wild honey, you and me, is on the way. As we anticipate this arrival, we lift up our world in prayer. Join with me now. Holy God, in your mercy, hear now our prayers. We pray first for the poor and oppressed of our world. May your liberation, your healing, your abundance come. May your spirit give strength to us all as we learn to love justly and love joyfully together. For the bereaved and lonely, for those who are sick and those who need healing, and for all their caregivers, we pray for comfort, for healing, for health, for universal access to care, and for joy in the midst of all these things. For the middle community, we pray that we find all the partners, the resources, and the fortitude necessary for our rising, for our gracious hosts, East End Temple. We pray for their safety and protection, for the end of anti-Semitism, and for peace and justice worldwide. Holy One, guide us by your spirit. Help us to recognize the darkness of Advent, not as absence, but as your active presence, holding us as we anticipate the light. Lead us to live with hope peace, and joy on this journey. We will now end with the prayer that Jesus taught us. You may use the version in your bulletin or the version in the language closest to your heart. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us pass the peace that passes all understanding. And since there are many ways to pass the peace, please do so in a way that is comfortable to your neighbors. Maybe a hug. <laughs>
You know, it should be illegal to sing like that before the preacher has to come on. I'm just gonna sit back down. I'm, I'm done. Listen now to a word from the Gospel of Luke. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowly state of God's servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. Indeed, her mercy is for those who fear her from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts. They have brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. She has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of God's mercy, according to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The word of God for the people of God. God. I'm Reverend Benjamin Perry. I use he and they pronouns. It is my great joy to welcome you to church today and to the great joy that we all share together. You take a moment to say a word of prayer with me. God, may the joy in our hearts flow from my mouth in celebration of all that you have done for us, all that you continue to do for us in your great mercy. You are our rock, our redeemer, our everlasting joy. We pray this in your heavenly name. If evidence of the young woman's virginity is not found, then they shall bring the young woman to the entrance of her father's home, and the men of the town shall stone her to death, because she has committed a disgraceful act. So shall you purge the evil from your midst. You should see your eyes. Like, somebody called Jackie. <laughs> Ben's out of control. That's from Deuteronomy. One of those verses we don't preach. And for good reason. There is nothing of God in those words. Just like First Timothy's order for women to be silent will never be from God. There is deep and sometimes violent patriarchy preserved in the Bible, alongside the divine voice, resonantly captured in Mary's song. Then, as now, there are forces seeking to dominate and control women, and forces fighting for liberation. Our question is which we choose to follow. But I'm sharing these painful words this morning because so often we talk about the Magnificat without truly confronting what Mary faced as an unwed teenager, pregnant with a child. Sure, we will talk amorphously about shame or disgrace, discuss how scared Mary must have felt, but we don't truly go all the way to the abject terror experienced at a time and place when too often the consequences were not shame, but death. That terror is the backdrop for what makes Mary's words so absolutely startling. Confronted with a possible stoning, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. God has done great things for me. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
And if these are the personal circumstances of Mary's pregnancy, the geopolitical ones are not much better. Judea is subjugated by the Roman Empire. Mary does not come from wealth or riches. Israel is stuck in an incessant cycle of rebellion and suppression, violence and control. She is a vulnerable girl amid a vulnerable people. And yet, in this moment when she might be scared, when she should be terrified, her spirit instead leaps with joy and she begins to sing. It's the starkness of that contrast which reveals beyond a shadow of a doubt that the joy is not something Mary is getting from the world. It is a divine gift, a blessing from God like the child that she bears within her. She is tethered directly to the Holy One. And venomous words from scripture that were never aligned with God's spirit, words that denigrate and dehumanize. Before the glory of God, those words and the threat behind them have lost their power. It's something that's always fascinated me, the way that some folks are able to embody joy seemingly in rejection of their circumstances. I've recently been paging through the collection of letters that Nelson Mandela wrote from prison while he was jailed for resisting apartheid rule in South Africa, and I am so struck by the resonances between these pages and Mary's song. The letters, for the most part, weren't public proclamations. Like Mary, they were private messages to his family or closest friends. Love at its most vulnerable. I'm going to quote one of his letters to his daughters at some length because I think it gives a picture of the emotions coursing through him during his incarceration. As you listen to the words, hear the pain, but notice the joy that sits beside it. Zinzi says her heart is sore because I'm not at home and wants to know when I will come back. I do not know, my darlings, when I will return. You will remember that in the letter I wrote in 1966, I told you that the white judge said that I should stay in jail for the rest of my life. It may be long before I come back. It may be soon. Nobody knows when it will be. Not even the judge who said that I should be kept here, but I am certain that one day I will be back at home to live in happiness with you all the days of my life. Do not worry about me now. I am happy, well and full of strength and hope. The only thing I long for is you. But whenever I feel lonely, I look at your photo, which is always in front of me. It has a white frame with a black margin. It is a lovely photo. Mandela writes these words in 1969. He's already been jailed for seven years at this point, would not be freed for another 21 years in 1990, the year that I was born. He was allowed to write, one, write and receive one letter every six months while imprisoned on Robben Island. One. And yet, here he is, using his one letter to write about the joy and tenderness he feels when looking at a photo of his daughters. His words rhyme with Mary's. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. Elsewhere, Mandela writes to his wife, Winnie, remember that hope is a powerful weapon. 
even when all else is lost. Those of you who were at our first Advent Bible study a couple weeks ago will remember that I shared a quote by Rebecca Solnit from her wonderful book, Hope in the Dark. In it, she writes, hope is not a lottery ticket that you can sit on the sofa clutching, feeling lucky. Hope is an ax that you break down doors with in an emergency. But today I will tell you that hope on its own is not enough because joy is what gives us the power to lift that ax. And that's why I'm talking about the resonance between Mandela and Mary's song, because there is another common thread that ties the two together and reveals the secret to how an unwed, vulnerable teen could praise God for the life growing inside of her, for how a political prisoner could conjure joy in a cell without a bathroom. When Mary describes the joy that she has, she isn't talking about herself. She's writing herself into God's story. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, she sings. God has filled the hungry with all good things and sent the rich away empty. And what's crucial to remember is that in that moment, she is still singing amid the violence and oppression of Roman rule. Mere months later, she will be forced to migrate hundreds of miles while she is pregnant and will be forced to flee Egypt as a refugee just days after the birth of her son. The dreams she sings about have not taken full form. They are still rough, ragged at the edges. And yet there is joy in that singing that becomes an eschatological foretaste of the world as it might be. Similarly, again writing from prison, Mandela observes, if calamities had the weight of physical objects, we should long ago have been crushed down with faces full of gloom and utter despair. Still, he does not permit the evil of his circumstances to claim that final word. Yet my entire body throbs with life and is full of expectations, he writes. Each day brings a fresh stock of experiences new dreams. Surrounded by fear and instability, Mary celebrates because of the radical love she carries within her. In the middle of his pain and heartbreak, Mandela can find joy because he knows that he is in the middle of a new nation being born. And so these words from Mary find us in the middle of our own political crisis singing in the ashes of a burned-down church. There is every reason for us to be fearful or depressed, and yet I look around this room into the digital family joining us, and I see tenderness and hope and joy and love beaming right back at me moving through a fire and a pandemic and a thousand other tragedies that mark this valley of the shadow of death, again and again, this congregation chooses abundant life. Joy to the world precisely because we need it. Joy because the song that burst from Mary's heart and the songs that spring from our own were not planted by this world and damn it, this world will not take them away. To close this sermon, I want to share some words that weren't written by me but by Miranda Cook, 
one of our youth at the Children's Multicultural Book Fair. She's just up there. As one of the crafting activities, we invited the kids to make their own book. This is the one that she wrote. Honestly, I think it testifies to the power of what we are doing here more than anything I can write. This is Middle Church through the lens of our children. Middle is strong. Middle is rich, not in money, but in power and in love. Middle is a place that is safe. Even when it burned, it was strong. No, it did not truly burn because the church itself was still there. It came back. It is a place that is going to rock. Actually, it does rock a lot. <laughs> its music is great, its love is great, but most of all, it is great because it is here, it has, and is fighting for justice. Middle is and will always be here, even if it burns and falls. It will be here. It has black, brown, white, adopted, mixed, and more people. Middle is loving. It is amazing, and it will keep going, filled with love, happiness, and justice. This is who we are, safe, fiercely loving, committed to God's justice, not just in the hereafter, but God's reign in our midst, and throughout, fostering the kind of belonging that tells every child and the rest of us too. You are beautiful. You are worthy. You are sacred. And you are never, ever alone. Joy to the world. Really. <laughs> right here. Right now. Alvin Crawford. My pronouns are he, him, and I am delighted to invite you to join the movement. I'm an actor-singer and based out of New York City. And a few years ago, friends who knew I sang at numerous churches in the city said to me, you know, Alvin, you should try and come and sing at our church. I think you'd really like it. It's very come as you are and it might be something that you'd like. And I very politely said, okay, and then did not follow up. This happened a couple of times, and then almost a year later, what changed everything was the birth of their first child. And they were christening the baby at Middle Church and wanted me to be there. So of course, I was there. I remember the morning of the christening and walking into the sanctuary and thinking it was beautiful. And I also remember feeling very welcomed and, and, uh, and I remember feeling a certain kind of peace. Uh, the christening went 
well and it was beautiful. The choir sounded gorgeous. And the message, I remember feeling leaving with this beautiful message of peace. And so I went back again. And again, I felt welcome. Yes, somebody had purple hair and <laughs> who was welcoming me, but I felt seen. And over the years, I felt a real sense of community. And from the pulpit, I kept hearing this term, radical love, radical love. And I came to learn that middle does not just say it, but they live it indeed. When they fight for LGBTQIA rights, when we have a, um, when they fight for women's rights, when we fight for the underserved housing rights, when they fight for people's rights, when our ministers were down at the wall trying to reunite uh, families at the border wall or getting arrested in DC fighting for human rights. That's radical love. And um, that's my community. And so if you would like to know more about that, please go to middlechurch.org forward slash donate. And, um, or there might be a QR code on the screen. Um, oh, and that child that, I, that brought me to middle for that christening, he's now a freshman in college. Radical love.
dear God, please accept these gifts as a token of our dear. of our gratitude. Thank you for all you do and are doing in our lives because we know, God, that without you, we can do nothing. Mm-hmm. But with you, and because of you, all things are possible. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. amen. Please rise as you are able and join us in the closing hymn, Joy to the World, the words are in your bulletin. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat. It doesn't start with us. It starts with that joy that we have been given, that we have been blessed with, that has been placed inside of our hearts to share with a world that needs it. So as you go out those doors today, be that joy for others, knowing that it has been given to you. A blessing, a gift, not to hold and grab and cling to, but to delicately cup like you might a baby bird. Joy to the world. Go. Be God's peace. Be God's joy. Amen. one moment. I just want, uh, I didn't realize that we had some flowers for a very important person. Um, and hi to everybody who's still with us uh, online. We're so glad that you're with us here too. Um, and particularly for you online friends, 
there is somebody who every day has worked and, tire and labored tirelessly behind the scenes to make sure that your experience is beautiful and joyous and filled with love just like it is for all of us in this space. I'm talking about our own wonderful Jeffrey Berman. Come up, Jeff. Come on now. Uh. fire and a flood and everything else, Jeff has brought magic every single Sunday, working from his home, from that little door over there. I mean, literally here, there, and everywhere, several different places, and in each one of them, he's brought just excellence and grace and beauty and love. He is leaving us for a wonderful opportunity at Juilliard, uh, and we are... <laughs> It's one of the great delights of this church to be a place that trains people to go out and make the rest of the world better. And so we know that you are going to go to Juilliard and make them even more sparkly <laughs> and bring some of that middle love and joy and beauty there. And so we are so, so excited for you, even as we are deeply sorrowed by your parting. Um, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much.